So we already knew how to talk to people. We wanted to welcome people personally. And I said, let's make a splash. Let's jump out of an airplane. Neither one of us had ever done it. And he said, do you think we can pull it off? And I said, absolutely. We literally jump out of an airplane. We land. There's cameras waiting. Both of our desks are in the middle of a grass field in eastern Colorado. Not a sight for three miles in any direction. We land. We walk up to our desk. Our computers are there. And we kick off signals. Hey everyone, welcome to episode one, season three of SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsay Groper, president at Blast Media, and as always, I will be your host and bartender today. I am pumped. We're kicking off season three of SaaS Half Full. Thanks for keeping us alive and listening. This season, we are focusing on pivot strategies that 2020 has demanded. Man, 2020 has demanded a lot of us, hasn't it? Well, I was going through LinkedIn and literally all of a sudden stopped in my scrolling tracks because there was uh, Tommy Lee talking about the a Forrester wave. And then I realized, well, dang, that was coming from our client, Cheetah Digital. We are very proud to have Cheetah Digital as a client here at Blast Media. And just like all of you, they had to take their annual event digital, right? We've all been forced into doing that. But they took a hard look and said, how the hell are we going to make our event stand out from all of the thousands of other events that are online today? I'm feeling the fatigue. I know you're feeling the fatigue. I'm starting to register for less and less events uh, because they all blur together and sound the same. So Cheetah, their pivot strategy was, how do we stand out? And the answer was looking to VP of content and data, Tim Glome at Cheetah Digital to help tell a story in a really unique way. And it involves Tommy Lee. It involves skydiving with their executive team. And we're going to dive into a conversation with Tim Glome to talk about the results of that pivot. Hi, Tim. Thanks for joining me on SAS Half Full. Hello. Thanks for having me. You bet. How are things holding up in Denver? Denver is great. Denver is wide open. We've got the clean air. We've got the crisp mountain cold snaps in the morning now here in the fall. So Denver's doing well, I think, all things considered. Good to hear. We are in Indianapolis and I have never been happier to be in our little bubble. We are <laughs> officially on phase five of reopening. It's cautiously optimistic, but also moving right along here. Good. Glad to hear. Awesome. Well, I am staying true to the process here and I am, although it's 11 a.m., I am opening up a very easy drink, which is a, a truly, it is. it really is my tried and true um, since it's in the morning. But I understand that we sent you a lovely cocktail kit of your choice, which was the Stargazer with passion fruit, hibiscus, and lime. But it got caught up in shipping, and you don't have it. So the good news is I'll be able to have that later today. So that's the great news. But I brought two of my absolute favorite drinks, which I can drink nonstop all the time because right now I don't drink. I don't drink alcohol. But in my hand is one of my favorites. This is a Pabst Blue Ribbon, what they call non-alk. So contains less than half percent and, oh, it's delicious. Sorry, it's foaming. Dude, cheers. I love that you're choosing a PBR ah. over everything. Yeah, I mean, you know what? The non-alcoholic market is exploding. It's something that I've been following. I'm involved in, a, in an actual beer brand called Dive Bar Beer. And 
it is a sea of confusion in non-alcoholic. And sometimes you see all these great fa- fancy labels and these tiny little breweries and you're just overwhelmed. And you got to try them all. And then all of a sudden there's this literally two color duotone can. It's silver and blue and it's Pabst Blue Ribbon. And it actually tastes the most like beer. Incredible. Well, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. So Tim and I are going to be talking today about a phrase that is used a lot today, which is the consumerization of B2B. I was uh, on my LinkedIn and scrolling through and saw one of my awesome teammates at Blast Media had uh, put a comment or a thumbed up something from Cheetah Digital on LinkedIn. And it was a video of Tommy Lee that, of course, made me pause and say, hmm, Tommy Lee and Cheetah, this is interesting. And so I wanted to dive in more, and it sounds like Tim is the brains behind that. So we do want to talk through that. But before we dive in, do want to give some people a better understanding of who you are, Cheetah Digital. So before we start, can you give us the 30,000-foot overview of what is Cheetah Digital? Absolutely. And I'll give you my take. I won't give you the boilerplate that Corp probably wants me to say, but Cheetah Digital is the largest multi-channel enterprise marketing platform on the planet. We are still independent, but we go up against the big guys like Adobe, Salesforce, Oracle, et cetera. So we essentially help enterprise level companies across the globe ingest zero party data, that new term that's been around for a little over a year now, the psychographic information that consumers will declare to you explicitly, things you can't deduce from behavior or third-party cookies, et cetera. We then put that into what we call an experience data platform. It's really a big CDP, an engine analytics, segmentation, analysis. And then we have a incredibly robust email, SMS, mobile, and loyalty marketing suite. So we're, we're kind of the end-to-end consumer solution for uh, large brands when it comes to driving consumer messaging. Awesome. And we are proud to call Cheetah Digital a client at Blast Media. Uh, Although Tim is in Denver, there is uh, quite a few people in Indianapolis at an office here. So love doing work with them. And Tim, you are VP of Content and Data at Cheetah, which uh, sometimes content and data don't go together. So I like to see those two things living harmoniously. Can you describe your role? Yeah. So my role, I think, is a little bit baked just on my past experience from the BDC world. A content. I've been a literally a television producer since you know the early two thousands, producing you know number one rated cable TV shows with the Jackass guys, and and you know direct the DVD comedy stuff for Warner. I was the VP of marketing for Mark Cuban's HDNet, which was the largest independent television network in America, rebranded Access TV. So I've got this content background, right? I can shoot a camera, I can I can tell a story, but also I'm a marketer at heart, and I've been in, in entertainment marketing for over 20 years. So at Cheetah, I have to tell the stories of our clients, and what better way than to tell them through their own mouth? So my job is really to travel the globe. Literally, I'll be in Dallas tomorrow and in Chicago next week to tell these stories, but. It's all driven by data, right? So we can't just go and point a camera and hope that our our clients say the right things and you know 30 people hear it and it's a high five. We have to look at the data, especially in a B2B you know scenario. You got to look at the funnel metrics, you got to understand that you, what content is resonating, format, you know, what style, what verticals, etc., what platform for promotion are working. So we really wrap in that data under my team as well so that we understand that the content we're creating is actually effectuating sales. So your journey to B2B SaaS marketing is definitely not typical, 
right? I mean, usually you look at a big role and I kind of look back on LinkedIn. I'm like, oh yeah, there's a natural progression here. You not necessarily do not fit that mold. So talk to me about making that jump then from more of a B2C storyteller to B2B. Yeah. So I also own the, the, the story gets more complex as I sip on my beer to figure out how to explain this quickly. I also own an audience development agency called Audience Sherpa. I've owned that for a few years. I was a founder and we serve a lot of different clients for their direct communication needs, specifically ingesting that psychographic data that brands really need. So when I met Samir Kazi, the CEO of Cheetah, and Richard Jones, who then was the CEO of Wayan, acquired by Cheetah Digital in the last just under two years, I understood the space. I understood data. I understood how to get consumers to take bulk actions. I understood how to drive that data home for real revenue. And they said, Tim, but you also know how to tell stories through content. Let's create a position for you over here where you can help us tell those stories. So this is my first B2B seat that I've been sitting in. But what I love about Cheetah is they're not following the steps that you normally would expect, right? I mean, we're the largest independent, you know, enterprise marketing channel platform out there. So we have to differentiate. We have to do things different. I mean, you mentioned Tommy Lee of Motley Crue in a B2B, you know, content series. Like that's not normal. Most people aren't doing that. So I love that Samir and Richard were, were saying, look, we could go find somebody, poach somebody from a competitor. Is that really going to differentiate? Probably not. Tim understands the space. He has an agency that does what our software does. Uh, I've been a paying client of Cheetah for over three years. So it, it, so far, you know, nine months in, knock on wood, things are going well and uh, everybody's happy. Awesome. So it's safe to say that you've seen both extremes of marketing on the B2C and B2B end. I think we all are familiar with the words that would describe typical B2B marketing. We've heard B2 boring, B2 bland. We've heard product-led marketing. What are some of the characteristics and qualities that make up good B2C marketing? Well, B2C marketing is is really based on, I think, personalization, right? There's no more cast and blast for reach and frequency. I mean, 15 years ago when I was working at an agency here in Denver, you know, that, that was a that was a big idea, but it wasn't really easy to execute on. So personalization, multiple creatives targeted at multiple segments is really uh, where the trend is. And we're carrying that same thing over. I mean, look, at the end of the day, B2Boring, B2B, whatever you want to call it, we're marketing to people. I'm not marketing to entities. I'm not marketing to let's say Acme you know, Airlines or something, I'm trying to reach a few key decision makers in there and they are people. So that's what B2C marketing is based on. It's marketing to individuals. So we're taking the same approach here you know, at Cheetah Digital to get to the right people, tell the right story and create a relationship, not just shill them a product that might you know, get them a 10% you know, margin lift. Yeah. When I think of B2C marketing, I mean, I definitely look at, is it emotional? Is it empathetic? Is it using humor, right? And it it sort of seems like a no shit. Why wouldn't we do that across any marketing? But I don't necessarily understand why we traditionally haven't throughout B2B, but I'm glad to see that it's becoming more consumerized. What do you think is driving this shift? Well, I think the technology is is getting there. I think we're eating our own you know, sauce. We're drinking our own Kool-Aid. We literally help global brands get individual level zero party data. And we're doing the same thing. We're putting people, you know, B2B prospects by giving them self-help tools, things where they can, you know, take maybe an assessment or get a report card on where they stand on email marketing or loyalty, or am I ingesting the right data and content? 
So we're giving them a value exchange. And through that value exchange, I learn a lot about Jane and John as they come in as prospects. So I can have a smarter first impression conversation. That's really where I think B2B is going. And it's because the technology is now there to capture, analyze, and store all of that. So we're focusing this season of SASOF full season three on what I'm calling successful pivots that 2020 demanded. So taking events virtual was a shift that all marketers were forced to make this year, whether you wanted to or not, whether you prepared or not. But now my gosh, is there online event fatigue? <laughs> I mean, I find myself attending less and less and registering for less and less. And I know that I'm not alone in that. So one of the things that struck me in why I wanted to talk with you is not that, well, we pivoted and took our event online. It was, okay, everyone is taking their event online. And to quote you, if I may, you said, how can we fucking jazz this up so it doesn't feel like work? So I do want to walk through when you knew that Signals, your annual event, had to be virtual. Talk me through those first conversations with your team in taking that virtual. Yeah. So as you mentioned, everyone was going virtual. We knew we were going to go virtual and we had the expertise. We had the expertise in-house. I mean, I've produced so many virtual events around live concerts and things at Mark Cuban's television network. It was all concert network. So producing these things was easy. That was like box checked before we even made the decision. But what we really needed to do was stand out. We needed to differentiate. Not only are we a challenger brand to these large behemoth, you know, cloud organizations like Adobe and Salesforce, et cetera, but we have to stand on our own creatively. So I got on a call with our CMO and the rest of our, you know, heads of departments. I said, hear me out here. We need to get somebody completely unexpected, fish out of water that's well known so that we can get a few million impressions and the people, not the entities, the people that we're trying to reach, these, you know, directors, managers, decision makers at companies are going to go, what the F was that? What did I just see in my LinkedIn feed? So we started spitballing ideas and one came out, you know, I have a relationship with Tommy Lee of Motley Crue. I was a guitar tech on their tour in 1994. I brought him in to uh, some MTV shows I was doing with the Jackass guy. So, you know, we have a, a loose casual relationship. I said, what about Tommy Lee and his wife, Brittany Furlong Lee? She's amazing. She's a great comedian. She's super funny. The two of them are a tag team duo. And one thing you would never, ever, ever hear out of the mouth of Tommy Lee is, you know, enterprise email marketing. I mean, it would just sound funny having him say those words together. So, you know, half the team looked at me like, holy shit, we hired this maniac. He's way off the rails. Someone please get rid of this guy. And the other half were like, F it, let's try it. So we went all in. Um, Richard and Samir, our, our CEO and, and CMO, said, let's try it and do it. So we did it. So I called up Tommy and in less than three weeks, we were at his house spending all day, you know, Saturday shooting at his house with his wife and having some fun, making fun of, you know, uh, the Forrester wave for email marketing platforms. Like that's fucking boring. <laughs> that's a boring <laughs> title. I'm sorry, Forrester. It's a great report, super useful, but boring to talk about. But when Tommy Lee and Brittany Furlong mentioned it, uh, it became interesting. How did you get the other, or did you need to get the other half of the team that were like, what the hell? I'm, I don't think so. How, how did you get them bought in and moved along? We just, Richard and I are, are very persuasive. Uh, we basically, you know, we're like, we're going to throw it online. It's our heads on the chopping block if this doesn't work. And and trust me, there were concerns. You know, Tommy has a checkered past, um, but he's a good dude. And, you know, he, he's had some bumps in the road and, you know, he's paid his dues and, and taken care of those things. And 
I mean, it was the largest tour of 2020 that was supposed to happen. Motley Crue, Def Leppard, et cetera. So they're the largest band in the world in 2020, the tour that never happened. So there was relevance. So we, we stacked up the stats and just said, look, it adds up. He's funny. She's funny. They're super well-known globally. And everybody just kind of held their breath and gave us a thumbs up. I don't think we got a lot of verbal yeses, but on the Zoom meetings, we got some thumbs up. That way they weren't on the record, but they were, <laughs> were kind of giving us a nod to like, yeah, go for it. Well, and as if that wasn't enough to have Tommy Lee and his wife in the video, there was also your leadership team uh, jumping out of an airplane and skydiving. Yeah. How did, how did that come to fruition? I literally was, uh, I was sitting around with Richard, who just lives a couple blocks from me, and I said, how are we going to kick this thing off? Sorry, I'm going to drink some more Paps. It's delicious. Mm. I mean, it never tasted more delicious than 9 a.m. Ah, your yeah, time. Oh. You know, I just said, look, we got, we got to put ourselves in, in an interesting place here. Richard and I have a podcast called Thinking Caps. We do it here in our Denver office. We were doing it weekly before our, our Signals content series took over. I mean, it's a behemoth, 50 plus sessions all recorded, you know, five, six weeks. So we already knew how to talk to people. We wanted to welcome people personally. And I said, let's make a splash. Let's jump out of an airplane. Neither one of us had ever done it. And he said, do you think we can pull it off? And I said, absolutely. We literally jump out of an airplane. We land. There's cameras waiting. Both of our desks are in the middle of a grass field in eastern Colorado. Not a sight for three miles in any direction. We land. We walk up to our desk. Our computers are there. And we kick off signals. And it was kind of a, a little like, let's see if we if this will work, like everything that we do. <laughs> and it worked. So number one, you lived. So there's that. That's always a positive. And what was the public's response? Is it what you expected? Well, it's funny. I didn't really expect much. I expected some people to chatter and some good comments and this and that. But there's a great B2B moment in this. And it was our first event. It was literally the kickoff. The first day of nine weeks of content. And on the first day, we jumped out of a plane and already a client that was kind of standoffish to us from a marketing perspective, meaning they're a great client, but we can't really use their name for marketing. You know, they're one of those hidden clients, which everyone has. But the CEO of that brand wrote a note to our CEO and said, That was amazing. You kicked off your series with skydiving? Question mark. And our CEO called us and was like, Wow, guys, great job. I can already tell this is going to make a difference. So we knew in the first couple hours of a nine-week session that jumping out of a plane and Tommy Lee and all the things that we had up our sleeve yet to come were going to pay off. It was at least going to get conversation started. And obviously, this was your first virtual signal. So it's hard to say what, what the success was because this is the first of its kind. But for those that are listening that are, are doing virtual events, how did you guys quantify the success of signals? Yeah. So success is really, look, at the end of the day, it's data. How many people can I reach after the event? What's the first touch point, right? Or did I just warm up a prospect that's been kind of cold on us? So the data is number one, we smashed our goals in the first week, which was great. So then we set new goals and we've already smashed them and we're just over the midway point right now. But the other thing was the sentiment in people's comments, whether it was a comment on a LinkedIn paid ad or an organic post, or our SDRs are doing outreach saying, hey, did you see these guys jump out of an airplane? Or did you see this interview about zero-party data that was filmed in a forest with you know, an outdoor archery group? The sentiment and feedback from emails from outreach of our SDRs and sales was lifting. It was certainly more chatter than we had ever seen before. So we knew we we're on the right path. And look, 
it's not a magic bullet. We're not done. We have to continue that. We now have to keep going beyond signals and, you know, continue to find these differentiated uh, paths to, to start conversations. Right. And that was going to be my next question is, so you've done this thing. It was successful from all accounts. It was covered in the press, which was awesome. A lot of chatter about it. That's It's a moment, right? So is there then the need to continue this? Is this what we're going to expect in the future from Cheetah is always being a little more radical and interesting? Interesting, yes. If we're not interesting, we're not doing our jobs, right? And by the way, if our content isn't interesting to the people we're trying to reach, then it's probably not interesting for us. And it's like, F it. You know, you got to love what you do. If you don't love what you do, then go find something else to do. So it will definitely be interesting uh, from here on out, at least if I'm in the company. And two, we're already we're already doing this. I mean, literally next week, we have a client in the UK that's doing an interview remotely. I'll be here in Denver. He's going to be sitting in the middle of a wind farm, you know, giant, you know, multi-story, 20-story tall uh, windmills. It's like, why? Well, why not? You know, they're in the energy business. It makes sense. It's interesting. And who knows what'll happen? So we're already uh, forging on. I mean, every one of our clients, the first thing we ask is, how can we tell their story in their own native environment? Not in their own offices, not in their own store. Anybody can do that. The local news does that every day when they go in and say, oh yeah, look at this little, you know, cool boutique store that just opened. No, we're going to do it different. We're going to, we're going to push the envelope and, uh, you know, within reason, you know, we're not going to spend a million dollars on a, on an interview with a client, but, and if look, my goal is to, before the end of the year, and you're going to hear it here first, I want to bring vanilla ice into a cheetah event. I, there, I said it. The competition could beat me to it if they want. All right. You heard it here. Yeah. My uh, husband can claim to fame that he's been to not one, not two, but three vanilla ice concerts growing up. <laughs> so, Does he know him? Can he, can he put in a good word for no, him? No, <laughs> absolutely not. Are you kidding me? It was like rural Iowa whenever he would come through. But yes, that would be incredible. And I, I want you to deliver on that. Yeah, I have some. I have some other musicians I want to bring in. I have. A, I have a good friend that we've done a lot with, who is a punk rock and just like total pop sensation over the last thirty plus years. I'm not going to name his name, but if you go back and look at my history, you can probably deduce who it is. He could not do signals. I actually wanted to bring him into signals. He has a new grandchild, and he promised his family he wouldn't do anything for a few months. But 2021 is going to bring more, more, more. Listen, 2021 better bring a lot because 2020 has been a thing. So here's hoping that it it turns all around in 2021. From Cheetah's standpoint, it sounds like you were hired because of your background, right? Where Cheetah has a CEO and a CMO who understands the importance of doing something differently. And that's not necessarily the case for all marketers, right? What advice would you give to to marketers who are wanting to push the envelope and do things differently, but have a conservative leadership team? Yeah, um, I mean, start small and and track the data. Right, do a small one off event, whether it's uh, if you're going to or attending a virtual event that you're not hosting, you're just kind of a sponsor or you're a speaker, maybe try something different. Show up on camera a little weird, a little different. Do the metrics change. If you have an event that you can do, even if it's an employee-only event, you know, start internal, but do something different. You know, get creative, take a chance. Look, every senior successful, I don't care how you measure that, you know, whether it's a billionaire or, or a tycoon or whatever it is, they've all failed. 
everyone has failed. You want that failure to not be in the spotlight, right? You don't want like a giant rocket to explode for the whole world to see, but you can take small little steps, try something different and say, hey, here was the feedback. You can measure that in high fives from your team. You can measure that as engaged comments. You can measure that as a couple extra leads that came out of an event. Do something different, then take it up and say, hey, look, you know, we did something different. We want to take this to the next level. We want to try something a little bigger and, and better. But start small if you have a conservative leadership. Otherwise, if you have the controls, go big, man. If you're going to get a tattoo, don't get a dolphin or a tiny star on your ankle. Like, Get a full sleeve. Just go all in. That's my other advice. By the way, if you're under 18, do not do what I just said. Correct. Yeah, this is not SAS half full approved to go go out and get tattoos. You know, but do you. If you want to, go for it. Um, I do love that brand seems to be having a moment right now. It's not something that I don't think we could have predicted, but you know, throughout the pandemic, when you took away all of the the big events, right, that that brands do spend millions of dollars on and do make a big splash and bring in the interesting people and you know, do the shticks, right? That's what what happened at these in-person events. When when everything was taken away, I do think brands all of a sudden went, oh shit. Like we have, we're digital only and I don't like what I see. And it's really forced marketers and leaders to take a, a really hard look at what their online brand says about them. And it's really good for people like us. And it has been completely unexpected. And I would be curious to get your opinion on what B2B SaaS companies you think are nailing brand right now and whether that is someone that's recently maybe pivoted and done a good job or when it comes to a really good brand, which companies stand out to you? Yeah. You know, I'm going to let you down on this question because I have not been trying to keep up with the Joneses or do much research or learn from the B2B space. I am completely inspired by B2C space. And that's, I think, a shift in mentality here at Cheetah, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, we're, we're, we're not trying to say, okay, what are our competition doing or what's some like really great B2B doing? Now, don't get me wrong. We'll look at tactics like go-to-market strategies and, and new technology that get us a little closer to our targets. But I'm not really watching what B2Bs are doing because I think in general, it's a boring space and it doesn't inspire me. And I only have so much time in the day. I got a family. I got two kids. I like to get outside. It's hunting season right now, which, you know, I, 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 like that's where I want to spend my time. I get my cheetah stuff done. I look at B2C marketing because that space is wide open. I mean, there are brands taking, you know, chances left and right over there and I love it. So we're trying to be a little more like that. And even Cheetah, like we have a we have a long way to go. So I can't even say that what we're doing, what the perception of somebody outside of Cheetah um, has of us is not right yet. Look, I, I don't even like her name. I'll just say it. Like Cheetah, the name came from you know, lightning fast enterprise email years and years ago. Like it doesn't really fit what we do now. It's just a name to me. So we're not nailing brand. I don't know that anybody's nailing brand in, in B2B space. I'm sure there is someone. I haven't seen it, but I haven't been seeking it out. No, that's good advice. If you want B2B inspiration, look at B2C. Well, look somewhere. Like I'm just trying to look in different places and I've always been a B2C marketer trying to bring those B2C strategies with the B2B tactics, right? You got to use outreach. You got to use Zoom info. You got to use all these tools to to find the right people you're targeting. So that's the mess, the nuts and bolts I don't like about B2B, but it's a necessary evil. I mean, you need that stuff because you're we're rifle snipering, you know, to get in front of people as opposed to cast and blast of B2C. But other than that, 
I don't know who's nailing brand. If anybody knows, you know, hit me on LinkedIn and let me know. I'll go take a look at them. Well, and, and while I mentioned brand is definitely having its moment, there are still very many CMOs who uh, really had their hand forced in it, right? Where brand wasn't a priority. What do you wish more CMOs understood about brand marketing? Yeah, I, I wish they understood the, the value exchange. I wish they would really think about what is it that they're offering. And, you know, before the sale, way before the sale, way before they get somebody to start paying the money, like, what is your value exchange? Not just what do your products do? What do your features do? But how can you help that person? You know, at Cheetah, we, like I said, we have assessments. We have all kinds of great information and technologists and strategists at our company working for amazing global brands. And we'll give a little, little bit of sauce or strategy away through an assessment and you never have to buy from us. So, you know, th that's the discovery process. I believe consumers will reward you with eventually. Uh, if I find some great content and Nike or Under Armour or some brand is the one who gave it to me for free or let me know about it, I'll probably reward them down the lane. Maybe not today, not tomorrow, but eventually that will come back up. Um, we're trying to do the same thing. So I think CMOs need to understand what's your value exchange before the sale. You know, you got to provide value before you get them on the hook to start paying you. If you don't, you know, then you're just a corporate conglomerate, you know, just driven by by revenue. And that's important, but there's far more to life. There's far more to the, what the person you're trying to sell to, you know, the things they have to do in their day to day in their life, like provide some value. That that would be my advice. I don't know if that's good advice, but that's just the way I think about it. But it's yours. Well, Tim, you are your family man. You like the outdoors. You love some PBR in the morning. If you could market any other business, present life excluded and present circumstances excluded, what would it be? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, the problem with that question is I am in the hunting space. I have a ton of great hunting clients at, at my agency, Audience Sherpa, that were doing really innovative things in that space, a stodgy old space. I, as I mentioned, a good, a good, a great friend of mine and a partner, Tom Flanagan, who was the EVP at Leo Burnett for years, opened their New York City office. He started a beer company called Dive Bar Beer because nobody was really, you know, taking care of just beer, you know, beer that tastes like beer. Everything was so craft and this and that. I love that space and I'm kind of helping Tom on the side in that. So I don't know what I would want to get into. You know what I would want to get into? Maybe crafty Etsy style household goods. My daughter started, started a, she's nine years old. She started a candle company called Violet Lights candles by Violet. And because I drink so much kombucha, she recycles the bottles, cuts them, grinds them, sands them. They're all unique, puts a label on them, fills them with wax and essential oils and sells them. And that space just in helping her build the website and get it going is interesting to me. So I think it, there it is. I didn't even know it, but I think I'm going to be getting into the candle space of all things. There you go. If you guys need a Christmas gift, <laughs> candles by Violet, you know that you are, are helping a, a friend and a client. Um, I'll have to hook you up with our founder, Kelly Hendricks. He is big into the hunting space as well. He uh, takes many excursions with his crossbow is his, uh, I don't know, is it a weapon of choice? What is that called? Yeah, it, it's definitely a weapon. I mean, anything that shoots a projectile at high speeds is a weapon. And, uh, you know, for for the anti-hunters out there, you know, we're, we're not, tro I'm not a trophy hunter. I'm not going out to hang things on my wall. I do it for food. Once my kids were born, I said, I can kill an animal with my checkbook at the grocery store and who knows what's in that meat, hormones, chemicals, et cetera. Or I can run into the hills for $35, take a chance. The animals usually win eight times out of 10, they win. But 
it's about bringing home sustainable meat because we choose to eat meat. Yep. And he views it the same way as well. Yeah. Tim, this has been awesome. Well, as we always end our episodes, please, do you have a signature or a favorite toast to send us out? Ooh, yes. Uh, you know what? I do have one. One of my favorite bands, the Maryland Rockers, the band Clutch, has a song, Drink to the Dead. So uh, it's a great song. You know, you, you need to remember everybody that's gone before us, friends, family, pioneers. So I am raising a PBR and cheersing and a drink to the dead, please. I will drink to that, to the dead. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks to Tim for joining me on Sass Half Full. What a kick-ass guest for season three, episode one. Tim was enjoying a cocktail kit later on, because it didn't arrive, of the Stargazer, which was passion fruit, hibiscus, and lime. If you would like your own cocktail kit, go to cocktailcourier.com and use the code SHF15 for 15% off any cocktail of your choice. Again, cocktailcourier.com, code SHF15 for 15% off any cocktail of your choice. It will be delivered straight to your door at home. Thank you guys for listening. And until next time, bottoms up. <laughs>